0: Love Talk Radio. Give it back. Same with the gas, You can never take that. Never take that. They're trying to take my country from me. Trying to take my country
1: from me. They're trying to take my country from me. They're trying to take my country from me. Put the bullshit. I teach the kids to fight. Stand up for what's right and if it means half the life. But you ain't gotta die to see the anti- Yeah. Like we don't march the same. So KG, with your freedom starts to fade, if I had to, i could mark the day America fell prey to the display. the target.
2: Today's date is December 12th. It's a beautiful Monday, 2011 A.D. Beautiful Old Town Alexandria. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. I am back, and I am almost embarrassed to be back because I looked at the numbers earlier. When David uh, took over the show, David Graham of Stay Mad, he does a host, uh, he he does a a show with uh, G Ski Rocks on G Ski Show, and he also has a book out called Stay Mad. uh, Really great read. I advise you to get one. I'm embarrassed to say I just finished it last night, but I did get a chance to read it all from cover to cover, through and through. It is a great read. I suggest you get a copy. But here's the deal. David took over to my show while I was away, uh, due to having some dental work done. Oh, by the way, I've got my teeth right here. You hear that? You hear that? That's that's like there's two wisdom teeth in there and they're huge. And and wait a minute, wait a minute, I got two more in here. You hear that? There they are. Anyway, got the teeth pulled, but when I came back to look at the numbers, I was in shock. I wondered. Well, hey, did, did Blog Talk make a mistake? I mean, what's going on with these numbers here? I'm I'm certainly not used to used to these kinds of numbers. I said, what did what what did this dude talk about on my show to bring about such numbers? I mean, was it porn? Uh, was he giving away free Christmas candy? Was he talking about his gorgeous wife, his children? Was he talking about the books, Amen? Did G-Ski come in and take over? Was it the combination of the two? I tell you, I'm talking five, four to five hundred downloads, four to five hundred listens. And it's just been a couple of days. How did these numbers come about? They're amazing. Amazing. I don't even know if I can top that. And it's my show. I'm not so sure how much longer... I can have David substituting for me because as it stands right now, David is hosting a much better show, a much better uh, listen to Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report than Dr. C. Robert Jones does. It's amazing. <sighs> Nearly 500 listens for the last show. I think it's the, the Thursday show. Get out. Get out of here. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. Hopefully, I can live up to the uh, the hype that and the and the standards that was set for me by my good friend David Graham and and uh, and uh, G Ski uh, and uh, hey, let's get right down to it. There's been a lot going on over the course of the weekend. Last week, our president finally came out and showed his true colors. Finally, exposed himself. Well, not that way, but he exposed himself in a way that Rush Limbaugh talked about nearly three years ago, and President Obama came out and said that the free market, the current system we have in place doesn't work, the free market system, Um, and that it it doesn't work now… And in his mind, it has never worked, finally. Now, taking from an article in the um, Wall Street Journal, well, the article is entitled Obama's Godfather Speech. The president sounds more like Colón than a Roosevelt. It goes on to read, most press accounts of Barack Obama's speech – in Osawatomie, Kansas Tuesday described it as delivered by the President of the United States and indeed the person delivering it analogized himself as President to the President as the President of the United States and comparing himself to Teddy Roosevelt Franklin Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower and of course Bill Clinton in fact The Ottawa speech was not given by the president of the United States. It was given by the leader of the Democrat Party. And I couldn't agree more. This president has gone about dividing this country along the lines of north and south. Instead of north and south and what we had during the Civil War, we've got Us versus them. We've got we, they. Them versus us. The rich versus the poor. The haves versus the have-nots. But the president has some numbers on his side. He's got some have-nots. He's got more have-nots than he has haves. But why? Because the Ottawa speech sounded like what you'd expect to hear in the places like Caracas or Buenos Aires, as in the free market has never been a license to take whatever you can from whomever you can. Applause. And their philosophy is simple. We are better off when everybody is left to fend for themselves and play by their own rules. That's what Barack Obama said. Take a listen to this clip here. If you didn't get to hear this story over the course of the weekend. Give a listen. And feel free to call in. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Yeah, clip's coming up. (laughs) While it does that, we're going to do this. We're going to talk a little bit more about this whole fiasco. This deal where Barack Obama goes about classifying himself and saying who he really is so before we go ahead and get that clip ready i'm going to play a little ditty for you by my main man ray stevens who first came out with a tune called the streak many years ago when i was a kid please take a listen we'll be right back you're listening to the c robert jones situation report
1: We got record foreclosures. Folks are losing their homes. The banks have gotten money, but they won't make loans. The taxes are bringing small business to their knees, and we owe our soul to the Red Chinese. Mr. President, Mr. President, what are you going to do? I'm going to take off my coat and roll up my sleeve. Turn on the teleprompter and give another speech. I Real cool and talk real soft, and then go out and play another round of golf. Full party at the White House, give a big showboard and post one and away I'll go. Up to New York, take Michelle to a play, then
3: shoot a few hoops and call it a day. But so, Mr. President, we got
1: illegal aliens. Forward, cross our border. Drug lords committing mayhem and disorder. States going broke, trying to pay a benefits. spot, markets in the toilet. Job markets in the pits, Mr. President. Mr. President, what are you going to do? Let's real close and hear what I say.
2: Then All right, we're back. Ray Stevens, y'all. All right, so before. I had this technical issue with uh, Barack Obama's uh, speech or the response to it. Uh, I'd like to just get a little bit deeper into it. When the president says that we can't let people fend for themselves, what does that really mean? Well, it goes back to uh, Obama's Leninist Marxist heritage. Because Obama's speech in Ottawa, Kansas has made a lot of waves. Based on an article written by uh, in the New American, uh, Obama's college roommate states that Obama was an artist Marxist Leninist. I'm not sure what that means, Marxist Leninist. But Obama's speech in Ottawa, Kansas has certainly made a lot of waves. A lot of waves across the country. And if you are a Marxist or a Leninist or you believe that the United States of America was built to serve everyone, that we live in a country where what's mine is not mine, but it's yours too. If you live in a country where you believe that I am my brother's keeper, whether I want to be or not, whether I desire to be, whether I should be forced to be, to be my brother's keeper, well, we're going to get into this right here and now. The Baltimore Sun, an article in the Baltimore Sun, speaks to President suggests that President Obama has finally found his voice, while the ever dour Bill, Bill Press said. That uh, Obama was clinging or channeling Teddy Roosevelt. It takes uh, – if talk show host Rush Limbaugh is correct, the president was channeling someone also long dead, but a lot more red. The radio giant asserts that Obama has outed himself. In that he has announced to the world in no uncertain terms that he is a socialist, if not a Marxist. What did Obama say that brought cheers from the left and jeers from the right? Among other things, he stated that our relatively free enterprise system is – no, it doesn't work. That it has never worked. Our free enterprise system doesn't work and it has never worked truly the president has outed himself when you stand at a podium and tell the world that the free enterprise system doesn't work and has never worked that suggests to me that you want to replace it with something else he has outed himself this should be the death knell of his election strat of his election. He should just call it quits right now. Do you think those of you who are listening to the sound of my voice that any president any candidate can get elected stating that the free enterprise system doesn't work and has never worked? The first thing to note is that is is the blindness the ingratitude evidenced in the statement. Because our nation enjoys wealth, unprecedented in man's history, with its supermarkets stocked with thousands of products from the world over, and with how its poor people, our poorest people usually have cars, TVs, uh, cellular phones, and a whole host of other luxuries as well as bellies that come out to greet you. I mean, we're not the most obese country in the world for nothing. Folks are chowing down. So while never worked, may describe Obama's uh, constitutions or his constituents, it can hardly be said about our system. So our system should be on trial here, or should it? Obama should be on trial here for treason. He should be impeached, but that's not going to happen. We know that. It's relatively fair to suggest that Obama may be a Marxist at this point. The evidence suggests suggests nothing other than that. But was there evidence for it all along? Consider the words of John Drew, a man whom writer Paul Kanger calls Obama's missing link, a contemporary of Obama's at Occidental College nearly three decades ago. Drew says that he himself was a Marxist at the time and part of Obama's inner circle. And what does he reveal? Well, he reveals that Obama was an artist, an ardent Marxist-Leninist who was in 100% total agreement with his Marxist professors. In fact, Drew stated that while he was a more nuanced Marxist, one who tried to convince Obama that old-style communist revolutionary politics was unrealistic in the West, the future president would have none of it and considered Drew a reactionary. Now, Drew doesn't believe that the president has changed at all, and I tend to agree. And I'll explain why in a follow-up shortly. Now, some may say that a a person can change markedly over a 30-year period. That's true. To be fair, Rupert Murdoch – yes, the Rupert Murdoch – was a marxist he was a socialist as a young boy that is right up until the time where it became evident to him that being a socialist or a marxist meant giving up some of the wealth that he accrued through hard that he accrued through hard work and effort of his own that if he worked hard and he earned money, property, fame, whatever, that his 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 winnings, his earnings would have to be shared with someone else who didn't work nearly as hard. At that point, Rupert gave up this whole idea of Marxist, Leninist theology, if you will, and decided he was going to become a capitalist. That's a true story. So now we have a great example in Rupert Murdoch of a man who changed from a Leninist, from a Marxist, to an outright super capitalist. But can Obama be that same guy? Can he? a transition from flat-out Marxist-Leninist to someone who rejects the Red Menace is a pretty big change. Don't you think? In fact, wouldn't such a personal evolution, some might say revolution, be a kind of conversion? I think so. There's an interesting thing, however, about conversions. You hear about them. You see a conversion in... uh, see change, a rebirth, a turning point in your existence, you may become as Christians say, a new creation. And you're at least reformed, a reformed old creation, if that makes any sense. And you reflect your new state of being, and you often want to voice it. Has Obama changed? Or Is Obama doing the only thing he's been trained for? Is he? He's been trained to disrupt. He is not bringing the country together. He's simply dividing the country into two groups. The haves versus the perception of the have-nots. We have our clip now, if you'd like to listen. Listen. And please, call in and share your thoughts if you wish. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
4: You know your business better than anybody else. You're dealing with changing market conditions, trying to manage your customers, trying to maximize output while controlling costs. No matter what your focus, you can do it better with analytics.
5: Now we're going to get a preview of tomorrow's Wonderland column. This is uh, Dan Henninger's uh, weekly column in the Wall Street Journal. So here's our Wonderland columnist, Dan Henninger. Most press accounts of Barack Obama's speech in Osawatomi, Kansas, described it as delivered by the President of the United States. This is not true. It was given by the leader of the Democratic Party. More than that, the speech's white-hot populism is what you'd expect to hear in a speech in Venezuela or Argentina. The free market, Mr. Obama said, has never been a license to take whatever you want from whomever you can. Or this, their philosophy is simple. We are better off, when everybody is left, to fend for themselves and play by their own rules. Some will say that hearing crude chavista populism in the Obama speech is an overreaction. Conventional political analysis would say he was simply rallying his base. It's true that even Democrats are depressed about the awful economy we've had the past three years. Addressing this, Mr. Obama said, the bad economy happened during his term because of mistakes someone else made in 2001 and 2003. Perhaps realizing this may not get the job done, he has chosen a strategy based on fear and loathing of the opposition, whom he identifies as they. They believe in survival of the fittest. Other than this populism, the Kansas speech had just one policy idea, tax the rich. This single policy, if we heard correctly, will end high unemployment, raise middle-class incomes, put children through college, make America fair, and defeat countries that pollute. Well, that's asking a lot of taxes on the rich. In fact, I think it's asking too much. If Mr. Obama wins and taxing the rich doesn't work, five years from now, the president's base will be right where it is today, trying to stay afloat in the still waters of the American economy. For The Wall Street Journal, I'm Dan Henninger.
2: And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. So there you have it. So my question to you, my listening audience, is, why is Obama still so popular with the public? Why is President Obama still enjoy unheard of popularity? Everybody likes him. People, people like him. Now, it's true that his poll numbers has, have dropped dramatically over the last three years, that he is in the negative when it comes to the economy and the handling of certain foreign powers. But overall, folks think he's a nice guy. They dig him. How can anyone like a person who believes that our free market system doesn't work, it has never worked, and that it should be replaced with a central government operation, a socialist, Marxist, Leninist-style government? Now, Obama will say that he's not a Marxist, that he's not an, a socialist, that it's, a, it's absurd for anyone to even think such things, that his political enemies are branding him a socialist to suit their own ends. But let's look at the facts. He had communist Frank Marshall Davis as his childhood mentor. That's a fact. Was a flat-out Marxist-Leninist in college. Fact has no known history of renouncing his views or those views. Fact. Later in life, built an alliance with a small c-communist and other assorted radicals. Fact. Has Marxist, Leninist, Socialist folks all throughout government in the form of czars and regulatory officials. Upon achieving high office, appointed, avowed, avowed communist to his administration. Same thing as what I just said. Given this profile, which is the radical position? That the man is a communist or at least a communist sympathizer? Or that he's just your everyday moderate politician? Which is true? And does it matter? Does it really matter? We like him anyway, right? He's a great guy. Oh shucks. Slap him on the back. Send him home to mama. We love him. Right? And let's turn our capitalist free market system into a socialist utopia. Why not? The question remains, can he get this done In two terms as president. Can he turn this country from a free market. Capitalist. Driven. Country. To a central government. Socialist Marxist Leninist utopia. Can you do that in eight years? Has he come close to doing it now? Are we at the point where. We're at least halfway there to becoming a socialist utopia the call in number is 347 now there are many reasons why people would deny what's plain about Obama the most obvious is uh, partisan loyalty but there's another factor The it. The it couldn't happen here mentality. And I share that it because I don't believe it could happen here. I don't believe that this country can go from being a capitalist country to a Marxist, Leninist, socialist country. I refuse to believe it. Not so much that it's not possible. But because Americans are a different breed of people. We're far different from, say, uh, when Russia, when the Russian Revolution occurred. We're not sheep to be led and herded. We are leaders. We're a country of leaders. We're a country built on rugged individualism. We like to do our own thing. We don't like to be told what to do. We are hardwired as a country from the very beginning for freedom. We don't scare easily. We are a nation of tough guys and gals. So it's not going to be as easy as the president would like us to believe to abandon the free market capitalist system and move into a socialist utopia. Oh, and did I did I mention this fact also? We're a bunch of greedy sons of bitches too. We like our stuff. We like our stuff, and we like our stuff. We like it large. You think Tesla's not going to go out to that Wendy's and get that triple decker uh, Wendy's cheese bacon burger when he probably should get that, you know, that Wendy's uh, short stack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Tesla likes his triple decker, three layers of cheese, some bacon, maybe a slice of ham, and and a, and a whole head of lettuce on top of a huge, two huge buns. And he's not gonna go for the short stack, you know, a uh, 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 White Castle style burger. Why? Because he's an American. And that's what being uh, an American is all about. So while the president may think that it's going to be a pretty easy task to take our stuff away, it's probably not going to work so easily. But am I – is it just wishful thinking? Could it happen here? Do you have the it-couldn't-happen-here mentality? because we see this when people are are shocked to learn that a neighbor is a serial killer or a child molester and say that well he seemed pretty normal he was he was a quiet guy yeah he kept to himself but he was always so nice think of ted bundy budding law, uh, lawyer to be Folks thought he was going to be a great politician. Yeah. Everybody loved him. People even liked him after it was revealed that he was a serial killer. Because they just couldn't believe that a guy so handsome, well-spoken, so normal could do such things. Right up until the time where they strapped him in old sparky and fried his ass. We hear about it all the time. Or perhaps when there's a heinous crime in a neighborhood and residents just can't believe that it could happen in their little town. In in an example that's relevant here, an American president could never be a communist or a communist uh, sympathizer. Sure, you read in history books about such leaders attaining power In places such as Cambodia, Russia, North Korea. But in the U.S. of A, it is something that happens to the other guy's country. Of course, this isn't reality, is it? Say what you will about American exceptionalism. The fact is that we receive no special dispensation from the laws governing man. There is no it that can't happen here. And while we don't vote for our next-door neighbor, we do choose our presidents. We'd be wise to make sure that some years hence, we're not witnessing disaster with our mouths aghast saying. But he he seemed so normal. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back.
4: Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of
1: Genius.
4: Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time.
1: Ten percent unemployment.
4: No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love.
1: What were you thinking?
4: Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative. Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy.
1: Joe was misunderstood. So crack
4: open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr.
1: President, the one we weren't waiting for.
3: What college do you dream of sending your kids to? Yale, Harvard, Princeton.
6: Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is COC
3: Community Organizer College.
6: I'm a graduate and I just took control of General Motors. And now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler too. Maybe. Or selling it to an Italian bicycle company.
3: Uh, I think. Want your kids to run a giant company or even an entire industry like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC Community Organizer College. You
6: want your darlings to have trillions of of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. At COC Community
3: Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management.
6: We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter. Double speak. Seducing the media.
3: Community Organizer College.
6: Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, Maybe the
3: entire planet. Community Organizer (laughs) College. Capacity is limited. Better act now for an application dial 1-800-ACORN-COC.
6: It's not what you know. It's what people think you know.
2: And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Now... Here's a segment that you've all been waiting for, for the last 22 minutes of this show. We're going to talk about the First Amendment, the war on Christmas, and what Christmas really means. Because, yeah, it's that time of year when the war on Christmas is in full bloom. In full bloom. So to kick this off right, to kick this segment off just right, we're going to throw down... A man, Darius Rucker And he's going to start it off for us And then we're going to get deep down into it Please feel free to call in The call-in number is
1: 347-884-8500 Tiny little boots Covered in snow apple cider a woman on the stove been so twinkling everywhere, holly hanging on the stairs. It must be Christmas, Christmas Eve. Angel sitting high upon a tree, watching over presents patiently. Milk and cookies on a plate, Santa Claus is on his way. The kids should be fast asleep But sleigh bells are ringing in their heads Twisting like little tops in their beds Trying to sleep but it's no use With hoofs tap-tapping all out the window to see what they can see It's a candy cane Christmas Sweet as it can They can't wait to see (laughs) Yeah Let's get in that Christmas spirit Look
2: what he brought me Yeah, my list is long, baby (laughs) You don't have enough bread Santa doesn't have enough jack To afford all the stuff I'm asking for Twisting like little tops in their beds, baby Trying to sleep, but it's no use (laughs)
1: <laughs> with hooves tap, tap tapping tapp, tapp, on the roof. Out yeah, the it's a candy cane can can
2: Christmas, baby.
1: Sweet. Sweet as it can
2: be. Yeah. Oh, how I love this song. It's up there with White Christmas right now. It's a candy cane can 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 Christmas, us. baby.
1: Sweet. As it can
2: be. (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: Yeah. All right, all right, all right, okay. We've had enough fun. Let's kick it off. Now, when stories arise about people complaining about Christmas parades being canceled, and all the stuff we hear generated on Fox News about the war on Christmas, or parades being called holiday parades, I've wondered how many people who say that efforts are being made to take Christ out of Christmas or take Christmas and Christ out altogether realize that their parades did that a long time ago. While the parades say Christmas, most anyway, rarely do they feature Jesus or angels or a manger, or Mary and Joseph, or anything else that resembles the true story of the Savior's birth. Indeed, they may have a Santa Claus, they may have a reindeer, toys, presents, snowflakes, horns, and other things that are more associated with a commercial, secular ideas of the Christmas holiday. So one could say that A name change is more honest, and and it seems to reflect what the parades generally show. Truth be told, the story of Christ is probably only rarely a part of most parades, and if you want to really make a Christmas parade, then you should remove Santa Claus. But before, before I paint this with too broad a brush, there's a town in Scotland that not only return to having Christmas the centerpiece of their winter festival, it also has a re- has religious leaders speaking on hand to speak to the true meaning of Christmas. And that's something we don't have here much in the United States in the form of public parades. Oh sure, the Macy's Christmas Day Parade has a big giant Santa. But what does that say about Christmas itself? about Christ? Not much. So when we speak to the idea of the war on Christmas, we're really not speaking to the true meaning of Christmas, are we? Now, a British bishop is um, complaining about traditional Christmas and Christmas carols. The Reverend Nick Baines says that the traditional carol takes away from the meaning of Christmas and the attempts to turn Jesus into a Christmas figure. Indeed, are we able to separate Christ from Christmas? It's an interesting question and an interesting problem. Because while we may celebrate Christmas, while we may celebrate old St. Nick... Jolly old St. Nick. Well, we'll we'll put some milk out for him. We'll throw down some cookies on a plate, pretending he's going to come down the chimney and leave us a whole bunch of goodies. And we do this for the kids a lot. Really? Does that speak to Christ? To Christmas? To Christianity? The Church of England recently published a book Why Wish You a Merry Christmas which says that the traditional songs being bring that are that are being brought forth bring forth an idea of Victorian sentiments instead of bibl- the biblical account of the birth of Christ he goes on to say that the, the words of away in a manger are nonsense. He says that, all, that come all ye faithful is foolishness because the people whom came, the shepherds, were not faithful. But instead were considered the great unwashed and the wise men were outside the covenant people of God. Is there just nitpicking going on here? Or has the true meaning of Christmas gotten lost? Are we celebrating gifts, brotherhood of man, the gift of giving, the spirit of giving? And should we not hold these things and celebrate them all year long? We don't. We really don't. Have we lost the true meaning of Christmas long, long ago? Are we simply celebrating a pagan ritual? What is the true meaning of Christmas? Well, we'll leave that to others to decide. But it's coming. The war. The war on Christmas is coming. As it does every year. And frankly, there's no stopping it. As surely as trees are decorated and stockings are hung by the chimney with care, we brace ourselves for it. It's just part of the routine. You can say that the war on Christmas has become a Christmas tradition. Media warriors divide the ranks of those on two sides. Those who gleefully view public Christmas observances as a right versus those who glumly view, glumly view Christmas as a state imposed endorsement of religious worship. Which is it? The buzz that these folks create touches nearly every part of of an otherwise festive season, filled with light, color, and music. their heated arguments over the need for public funding for Christmas lights. Many nearly come to blows debating the mere use of the word Christmas. In schools and at public events, long-winded television commentators warn incessantly of Christmas being under attack. We see it on Fox News almost every single day. Christmas is in fact under attack. Christianity is under attack. And we cloud the issue day by day. Because we're not, not all of us, are celebrating Christmas. We're not celebrating Christianity. How many of us go to Midnight Mass on Christmas night or Christmas Eve? Not many. I'm expecting quite a few gifts myself. But I keep in mind every day that what Christmas really symbolizes is the Jesus dying for my sins on the cross and suffering. That's what it's really all about, isn't it? Or is or am I wrong? What does Christmas mean to you? Does it mean just giving gifts? And what about our first amendment right? More and more Americans seem apathetic toward the liberties of Which our founding fathers sacrificed their lives, their fortunes, their honor. We seem to hold a low opinion of what millions of Americans before us, not only treasured, but paid the full, the ultimate price to protect. And this is especially apparent when we focus on the First Amendment. And particularly... The first liberty protected by that amendment. The text of the First Amendment reads this Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or, and this is the important part here, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances but the important part i'd like to focus on in that line is what i what seems to be getting lost a lot lately especially around this time of year and that is the part that says congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free expression or the free exercise thereof. So when a school will say that they do not sing Christmas carols or they do not call this season the season of Christmas because it may tend to offend some people. What about those people who may be offended by not singing Christmas carols or labeling Christmas as being Christmas? It seems that those of us who are on the one side don't really matter. It's okay to offend those of us who would rather hear Merry Christmas as opposed to those who would rather not. Christmas is a, an interesting time where we think about loved ones who have passed on. We have a lot of vivid memories. Indeed, the highest suicide rate in this nation is right around this time of year. It's an emotional time for a lot of us. Old memories are dredged up, both good and bad. We think about times where, where we were children and how we waited patiently as long as we could. In my house, we were up around four thirty, five 5 o'clock. The presents were under the tree. We opened them. We played. We slept a little more later. We were up and we played again. And then there was tons of food And family, visitors, friends, and it was all great every single year. And I'm sure a lot of you have very same memories. But then there are times when there are people who are alone, who have no family, have few friends. They have no one special. Do they turn to the true meaning of Christmas? I don't know. But we should, we should keep in mind that Christmas is not just about giving gifts. It's not just about having friends around and family. It's about remembering that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price to wash our sins away. That's what Christmas means to me. What does Christmas mean to you? Think about that. We're just a couple of weeks away. Christmas is coming. When the the day arises, that symbolic date of the birth of the baby Jesus, we know not the actual date. So we've chosen a symbolic date. And that date we've chosen here in America is December 25th. Now he could have been born in August, July. He could have been born in September or May. We don't know. Nobody knows. Not really. So we've chosen a date. Have we have we forgotten what Christmas really means? No Way 90 writes in the chat room, Christmas is about the birth of our Savior. Man is the one who has made it about money. He writes, they write, I don't know if it's a he or she. I give thanks to our Lord for his son who gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what Christmas means to me. Hear, hear. And I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. That's what Christmas means to me also. And that's the way it should be. So when we think about the war on Christmas, and folks are talking about Santa Claus being removed, or folks not saying Merry Christmas, yeah, I'm down with that. I don't want to hear, damn it, Happy Holidays. I don't want to hear Happy Kwanzaa. I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear merry christmas. Merry Christmas. And I say it every single day. I've said it 15 times today. If I've said it if I've said it once, I've said it about 15, 16 times today. On purpose most of the time because I'm getting like a happy holiday thing from most folks and I'll say merry christmas. But while we fight this war on Christmas, let's remember what we're really fighting about. Christianity. And the fact that our Savior died for our sins. As was, as was poignantly pointed out. In the chat room by No Way 90. That's the real war. That we're fighting. The war to tell the story. That we believe in our Savior. That Christ died for our sins. Uh, Todd Toddy Lightman writes in the chat room, Christmas is the celebration of God giving us his only begotten son to be crucified by our vanity. That's exactly right. So that's the real war on Christmas we're fighting. Not Santa, not the trees, not the lights, not the eight Chinese reindeer. Not Rudolph. Not those damn elves. Let's focus, folks. Now, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. A lot of you folks came in, some new people. I do appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Beach Bum, Alexander Solo, Casanova Frankenstein, Evil Clown, John Galt, Todd, Thomas, Stay Mad, Southern Sense, Ventrell, thank you all for being here. Have a blessed night. Have a great night. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. And let's have a candy cane Christmas. Good night. God bless you. Tiny little boots covered
1: in snow. <laughs> Apple cider woman on the stove. The candy cane Christmas, baby. It's coming so twinkling everywhere The list is long but distinguished It must be Christmas Eve Angels sitting high up on a tree Watching all the presents patiently Milk and cookies on a plate Santa Claus is on his waist the kids should be fast asleep, but sleigh bells are ringing in their heads. <laughs> I can't help myself. Like it's a candy cane Christmas, baby. Yeah. To sleep, but it's no Good night. God bless you. With huffs, tap, tap, See you tomorrow. Woo! Biggin' out the window to see what they can see It's a candy cane Christmas Sweet as it can out the window to see what they can see. It's a candy cane Christmas, sweet as it can be. It's a candy cane Christmas, sweet as it can be.